I'm ready for this. John, let me tell you something. I know a thing or two about bad storytelling. Oh, do you? All right. And let me tell you, this whole season of Empire has gone off the rails. I can't take it anymore. Well, Greg, I mean, they completely changed Sookie. Sookie was supposed to be representative of every thought I ever had about women, and now she's not. Gosh, this is the last time I put my faith in fiction, fictional television. I'll tell you that. Greg, it's because Tiffany Haddish obviously has better things to do with her time now. She's it's not good. Tiffany Haddish. First Fuck. fact check. I was being, yes, I was being facetious, but I'm going to earnestly fact check you. It's Taraja P. Henson. Fuck. Well, she's still in every right. other movie, all right? <laughs> this is true. Both of them are. They're both, both of them. Work. Both of them are too busy. And then Doing also, work. you have all that personal drama that's happening with Terrence Howard, one assumes. And nothing yeah. else is going on <laughs> behind the scenes of that show. So we no. don't need to worry Absolutely about it. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> it's as if everything was dropped somehow. Like, it's just every all of the drama just gone. <laughs> yep. Well, I just read the news that uh, Empire's next season will be the last. So, you know. Mm. And the nation will have nothing left to talk about. If only there was another. <laughs> yeah, if only there was another show that was ending soon that was on the forefront of everyone's mind and was endlessly criticizing because it didn't go exactly as they hoped it would. Exactly, John. I'm fearing that the job of TV recapper will suddenly go the way of the dodo, which will be a tragedy. <laughs> I think it's it's such an invaluable role that websites have, and it'll be gone. It won't be around anymore. People won't get to read what they about what they just watched. <laughs> Uh, six hours prior. I blame Netflix, because who really wants to read seven recaps of Lucifer in a row? No, you need the week-to-week attention spans. That's what you need. Are people recapping Lucifer? Uh, the AV Club sure Wait, was. when did Lucifer go to Netflix? Uh, this past season. So okay. it had three seasons on And Fox. why is Lucifer on the air? Why is Lucifer? That's a better question. <laughs> um, I've watched a season or two. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, weirdly, what does he do? Is he a cop? Yes, <laughs> he's a cop. Crime? Yes, he's yes. a cop. <laughs> Greg, what do you think? It's a t- it's a procedural show. It's a show. Okay, on my, my next guess would be he he works at a hospital. He's like the <laughs> he's like the new doctor. It's either hospitals, police departments, or lawyers. That's if you're yeah. if you're on network television, that's what you're doing. <laughs> no, I can't imagine it fitting the "This Is Us" mold. That's the next. <laughs> that's the next mold they're trying to uh, frame in TV. Oh, a million little things, you guys. It's uh, just yep. a million little things. Yeah, also a show that's already gone. But anyway, talk, talk more about Lucifer, please. Um, so basically, yes, it's a cop show, but he has the power to kind of uh, lie detect with people because he can uh, unearth everyone's uh, secret desires because he's Satan, obviously. Or, sorry, okay. he's Lucifer, son of God, you know, cast down to earth, and he's trying to make the most of it. That's, that's surprisingly not that much supernatural stuff in the show, weirdly enough. I was hoping well, they that they don't would, have the effects budget for it. That's why that is true. But at least I was hoping, like you know, at least go in like a dogma territory where it's like there's some kind of huge existential threat every once in a while, or at least someone with huge wings would pop out. But no, it doesn't really happen all that much. But granted, okay. I'm not like too far into like season two, so maybe things change. Who knows? But yes, it's essentially right. a cop show. If that's what you're, if if you're looking for the elevator pitch, it's like imagine if the devil solved crimes. Yeah, what if the cop was blind <laughs> which was also a show already and also didn't fox do this show with lie to me starring tim roth yes but he was like a professor i think he was good at detecting lies yes but he was, there was no supernatural bent he no, was just really no, no, smart. no 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 he was just it was just dr house 2.0 yeah doctor, yeah <laughs> dr gregory house accredited gregory's everywhere <laughs> good good for them because lord yeah. knows they need all the help they can get can you imagine going through life as Gregory? Ugh, I can't imagine anything worse. 
I, I hardly consider it a punishment. But anyway, <laughs> welcome to the Aspiring Snobs. We are your two hosts. Our names don't matter, because you probably can't distinguish our voices anyway. So, for all you know, this is the ramblings of a madman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be a, a, quite a fun twist. Oh my god, how many episodes deep before we reveal that? Reveal that that's canon, because we're like uh, 132 least, in, so... Yeah, at least till season 8. Oh, okay. <laughs> and topical, everybody. Speaking of topical, bro. Ooh. You and I, Pokemon, went to the theaters this weekend. <laughs> Hell yeah, we did. To watch a fun little movie mm-hmm. called Little, starring <laughs> Tiffany Haddish. <laughs> no, Greg, we went and discovered the power that's inside. Because we went to go see Pokemon Detective Pikachu. So there I was. I woke up with a heavy case of amnesia in the middle of nowhere. The only clue to my past is Harry's name and address inside this hat. So, I made my way to the apartment, and that's when I found you and your stapler gun. Stop talking! You're a hallucination! You're a hallucination. So you're a talking Pikachu with no memories who's addicted to caffeine. I could stop whenever I want. These are just choices. Another round, extra shot. Black as night, thank you, sweetie. I don't know, maybe Harry got in too deep. Mixed up with the wrong crowd, that kind of thing. Look, you can talk to humans. I can talk to Pokemon. And if you want to find your pops, we're going to need each other. No, I don't need a Pokemon. What about a world-class detective? I had to say it like that because apparently there's no colon. It's all one word. Pokemon Detective Pikachu. (laughs) Really, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But (laughs) I want to give a fair warning. A, if you dropped in on this episode, sight unseen, I apologize. But I also want to warn you. You and I have many passions outside of film and television. <laughs> and I feel like you and I can communicate those passions mm. like to the layperson. Like, for instance, I have an interest in cars, and I can reach people about my interest in cars. You have a big interest in p- topography, mm-hmm. and you've explained to me like all the intricacies of that, and it's really a fascinating subject that mm-hmm. you can explain to somebody who has no interest in that uh, topic at all. Yes. I do not know where to begin <laughs> to explain how the hell the world of Pokemon works. Greg, It's see, I think that's why the movie ultimately kind of succeeds, because you really only need to capture one conceit, which is a Pokemon is not just an animal, but it's also your spirit friend, your best friend, your partner. And <laughs> I, the movie kind of starts with that kind of conceit initially. Like, that's literally mm-hmm. like the first scene. We're introduced to our uh, eponymous main character, whose name I believe is Tim. Yes, Tim. Tim Goodman, John, because yes. he's a good person. <laughs> Yes, we're introduced to Tim, and he's literally being goaded into catching his Pokemon. Uh, a Cubone. A Cubone, as it were, because it's lonely. What is and a sad. Cubone, John? A Cubone. Okay, let's, okay, John, let's lay this, lay our cards out on the table. You and I are Pokemon masters. We're well first. Mm, I'm a Pokemon master. You're more like a, <laughs> a Pokemon assistant. <laughs> excuse me. I beat Blue. I wrecked the Blue. Uh, excuse me. I wrecked Red, Yellow, Silver, Ruby, because fuck Corgi, or whatever that stupid Shamu-looking <laughs> bullshit cool. is. I wrecked... Um, let's see, what did I play? I played... Oh, I played Pearl, because Palkia kind of looked yeah. like a dick. Um, I always go based on the legendaries, because like, that's literally all you have to work on. Like, What am I going to yeah. do? Look at the exclusives first? No, that would be yeah. foolish. We work with Thank you for got. explaining this all. As our listener count drops to zero, <laughs> let's see you explain all the great Pokemon games you've played. <laughs> I skipped Generation 5... 
ironically for this movie i'll get into it uh i played so anyway to get into the movie this is this is the first ever live action pokemon movie however it's not the first pokemon movie that would be pokemon the first movie based on the anime released back in 1999 there have been now been 21 animated features before this is the first uh live action pokemon movie and as you said it's not based around the idea of catching them all anymore instead it's about like finding your soulmate which i think is is right for what they I think they extrapolated what's right about the anime. It's it's really about Ash and Pikachu, and in this case, it's about this new character Tim Goodman and his Pikachu. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and again, that is the main fantasy of Pokemon. It's like imagine if wild animals were all absolutely friendly, and there's one special one just for you that you can walk around with. That's an ama- yeah. that's an important conceit to all Pokemon related games and ephemera is the fact that you have a partner, you have a buddy, you have a best friend with you at all times. And and so obviously the story is built around that where Tim is investigating the mysterious death of his father and he gets roped into a larger conspiracy and he's stuck partnering with the titular Detective Pikachu as voiced by Ryan Reynolds. I do want to concede though that it is reluctantly mm-hmm. and I think that's where the movie kind of fails is a little bit in casting mm. because Ryan Reynolds as a motor mouth like works as Deadpool he works as this as a more family friendly version in Detective Pikachu I mean Detective Pikachu also, is basically Deadpool just P- PG rated yeah. <laughs> yeah so PG rated Deadpool and that's fine but I think they they screwed up a little bit with uh, Justice Smith and his co-star. Eventually, he's uh, partnered up with a reporter who's played by Catherine Newton, and I think they're they're just a little bit wrong. I think Justice Smith is is reluctant. He doesn't like Pokemon. It it's tied to his uh, the relationship with his estranged father. But he's he's a little bit too blithe, and he doesn't play it earnestly, at least to start. Um, there's a scene early on with a. Uh, Ken Watanabe, who's uh, his father's partner, and so he wants to kind of like pay his respects um, and hand off his father's apartment key. And Justice Smith kind of plays it off like, "No, nah, I'm fine. I'm good. Just give me the key and let's go." Like I, I, I expected more tears in the scene or something, just a, just a little bit more earnestness. And I think, yeah, it it's not just you can't just follow kind of the cuteness of the Pokemon, as adorable as they are. I mean, I think adorable slash horrifying kind of because along. we'll we'll get into the live action renderings and how well those work. Yeah, but I mean, I I think part of that, you know, what you have a problem with, I actually think kind of worked is the fact that they are kind of a, a contrast in personalities. He's obviously very cynical and very blithe to everything that's going on. Where she's kind of, she's almost like a living cartoon character. She's like, I'm gonna get a scoop. <laughs> she's like, she's almost Speaking like she's, which, she's chasing uh, after probably, Carmen San Diego for crying out loud. Like that's yeah, kind of what her but attitude. There are probably is. better actors suited for that. Like I was thinking of young Anna okay. Kendrick, and granted, yes. not not every actress, not every actress is as talented as Anna Kendrick, but. Yeah, it just it just ends, she's really peppy and it just didn't quite work, I think. Look, I've only seen Justice Smith in this and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, so you're right. Yeah. I can't definitively say if he's a good actor or not. But Well, I don't want to say that. I I don't want to say judge whether he's good or bad. I just don't think he's right for the part. Oh, okay. Um and not quite written well. Because, sorry, it's I I, I, I Are you accusing a Pokémon movie of I came in badly I came, in, badly I came in with two Grant's expectations that this was a a generational defining um <laughs> Heartfelt, warm story about man and nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also expecting to see Sandshrew. Sandshrew are my favorite <laughs> Pokemon. I'm talking about number 27, the mouse Pokemon, ground type, 
pretty much the cutest thing ever conceived by man. Mm. I was expecting to see more. So those are my two criteria coming in. If there were zero sand shrews, I give it zero stars. <laughs> okay. And I wanted a generational defining movie. I mean, it's not too much to ask. <laughs> and unfortunately, the human element didn't didn't quite congeal for me. <laughs> wow. Big, big statement. Yeah. <laughs> the human story in Pokemon Detective Pikachu really did not grab me. <laughs> I will say, though, this is probably the best movie based on a video game ever. Mm. based on a critical reaction because every other movie based on a video because I didn't actually know that Detective Pikachu was a video game series prior to this. Yes, it is. That's where they got the uh, whole conceit from. That's also the impetus of the whole Danny DeVito as the voice of Pikachu came from as well. Someone took the game and dubbed over, you know, lines from Frank Reynolds and that's where okay. that whole meme was born. So, Yes, uh, it, it is based technically based on a video game, but obviously the story, and it's it's more concerned with the world of Pokemon, which also probably is why it works as an adaptation. It's not trying to adapt a particular video game in general, but instead trying to get the overall tone and feel of the movie, I mean, of the world of Pokemon. As Professor Oak introduces you to in the intro to Pokemon Red and Blue, welcome to the world of Pokemon. I was. About, I don't, I don't da, think it is for da, non-Pokemon da, people. There, da, there's da, an epilogue, da, there's an introduction to... Rhyme City, which dun, I dun, wasn't dun, familiar dun, with. Dun, where dun. So Rhyme City, yeah, Rhyme City is actually not in the games, but it is. It does take place in a region from the games, specifically uh, Diamond and Pearl. So it takes okay. place in the Shino, the Sinnoh region, apparently. Uh, okay. Which means so that's why there were so many Pokemon that I didn't recognize. <laughs> well, okay, so here's the problem. That should be the yeah. fourth generation, uh, but the weird smattering hodgepodge of Pokemon that they selected for this movie was mm-hmm. completely random, and way too many 5th generation Pokemon. No one wants to see Ralphlet or Buffalant, okay? This is ridiculous. People want to see Pidgey, they want to see Tauros. Come on. And they didn't render any of the floating ones, because many Pokemon in the world float. Uh, <laughs> but we didn't see, like Geodude, or Ghastly, for instance. However, we didn't see any of them in the movie. Well, we so do, they, demerit, there, is, there is a Gengar for a hot second, but thank God he was not in the movie anymore, because he was terrifying. Some of the renderings yeah. are extremely strange. The Gengar being one of the weirdest, because his teeth... He, he has, like, a very Cheshire-style grin, but they rendered it yeah. with, like, <laughs> perfectly oblong teeth. <laughs> like, so imagine, like, a human smile, like, just blown up five times the size. It was just creepy as hell. Yeah. I, I, well, I will give them credit. This is a thankless job. <laughs> Nobody envisions a Pokemon, which are essentially a blob of appealing color, mm. <laughs> to be rendered in the real world. And I think they did the, pretty much the best job that they could yeah. with that. Pikachu... Is great, looks great. Uh, a lot of the Pokemon are as adorable as you envision them, like, say, Bulbasaur, or the stars especially. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how you felt about a very scaly Charizard. That, that or kind of them threw ha- me for them a loop. having more hair than you envisioned. Yeah, <laughs> like, that, that kind of threw me for a loop. The realistic textures, absolutely. Like, for some Pokemon, like Bulbasaur, obviously he has a very smooth texture because he's supposed to be kind of like baby-like, so that kind of worked in real life. But well, he's kind of a lizard, yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, they could have done that to, again with Charizard as well. Charizard's a lizard as well, but instead, I think because they wanted to show maybe it was, it was like a tough Charizard. They like it was much more scaly. It was much more textured, and it just kind of seemed off to me. Um, I, like again, like I was a little disappointed at the selection of Pokemon. Like they said it would feature about sixty of them, and it was just kind of like random smatterings, and they kind of just felt like background. Like we get two separate scenes where like a slanking is like sleeping in the background, and I get it, that's what slanking does, but it's like just kind of felt superfluous. 
Yeah, I especially like kind of distraction. I, I will say the movie's very busy. Mm-hmm. Yes, like there, there's a lot of like action sequences that come out of nowhere. Ryan Reynolds, I don't know if he improvised all his dialogue, but you know, playing the Motormouth character that he's best tailored for, mm-hmm. like obviously he continues that here. So like even during serious scenes, and as as endearing as it is to see like a little Charmander or whatever, like hop along behind a <laughs> real person. Mm-hmm. Like it could be a completely straight scene, yet my eye keeps catching the little little cute Pokemon, like uh, the, a- the apons in the background. The background yeah, yeah, and a giggle. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So let's we we've already you know meticulously talked about the whole Pokemon aspect of it. Let's talk about the yeah. other half of it, which is this is a mystery. This is a noir story. <laughs> see, I'm gonna interview some dames, rough up some ne'er dwells. How do you think it works? A, a PG rated yes. noir story. How do you think it works in that aspect? Uh, not not very well because again the story is very busy, but it also has to contrive scenarios in which characters can learn things. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at the trailer, one of the the linchpins that they hang the movie on is this interrogation of a character of a excuse me a Pokemon named Mister Mime, mm-hmm. who obviously can't verbalize anything. Mm-hmm. He mimes it, and that they come across that character literally by coincidence. That's true. In this city, in this city, <laughs> millions of people they just come across it by coincidence. Uh, same with the they introduce. Like the Pokemon aren't the only special effect of this movie. They have this whole technology surrounded around holograms, <laughs> which and is so cheating. Which is kind are, of like cheating. Yes, it's 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 a little cheat. Yes, <laughs> you know, it's like we can't just so, flash back to everything. Let's literally have it happen in front of them with holograms. <laughs> yeah. Ah, my clues. What is all this? Harry is still alive. Case closed, but still open until I solve it. All right, here it is. Harry faked his own death. Or somebody else faked Harry's death. Or Harry faked somebody else's death. That last one doesn't work at all. So, no, it's it's not Chinatown. (laughs) This is not... This is not this a isn't the Maltese Falcon, even, even. Unfortunately, it's yeah, it's not even Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I'm sorry to say, but so things kind of they unfold in a way where it's it's a little it's pretty obvious or not not pretty obvious, but in in kind of the the plainest of fashions, even with holograms, it's not like you're putting clues together. It's not like things set up and pay off really, mm-hmm. um, and especially when we come to the kind of grand big conspiracy. That's revealed. Um, what 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 is a supposed to be a very gentle grandfatherly figure? In I can't even remember the character's name. No. Well, we all know who's uh, playing uh, him. Clifford, yes. yeah, <laughs> uh, grandfather character character named Clifford, played by the great mm, Bill Nighy, who saved the movie, Sir Bill Nighy. If he's not in the OEM, come on, Queen. Like before you die, <laughs> come on, Queen Elizabeth. Dub him. Um, <laughs> I he saved the movie for me because I mean once they reintroduce Mewtwo then it's like oh what would be the perfect voice for him hmm, I wonder and then they give it to him <laughs> and I was like all right satisfied A plus thumbs up so um, I'm a little disappointed that they included Mewtwo but then I thought about it and I was like well obviously they need to pay off the nostalgia everyone knows the first 150 Pokemon and also if you're gonna do a legendary Pokemon I guess Mewtwo has the most interesting backstory and the only thing resembling a personality so I guess there's a good reason why they used him and there are allusions to Pokemon the first Mm, movie yes which also had Mewtwo as a yeah so speaking of the 20 year cycle yeah you're not gonna get that kind of nostalgia out of I don't know Lugia (laughs) or (laughs) 
Entei. Um, Greg, you didn't perk up when I said Dialga and Palkia? Come on, everyone loves those guys. They were in statues in the backgrounds. Uh, speaking of which, there is a poster advertising a battle with Articuno. And excuse me, there's only one Articuno. So why he's battling makes no sense. Uh, I mean, sense. with those weaker legendaries, they kind of like play fast and loose with how many there are really out there. It's weird. Like in the anime, I think like 12 pop up at one point. Who cares? Whatever. But Bill Nighy's character's big scheme Mm -hmm. is to combine humans and Pokemon because Pokemon's little Pokemans. (laughs) I'm going to say it. Pokemans, I believe, is the the correct. Yep, I know how to say it, but I choose to say it my way to (laughs) annoy you. (laughs) Because Pokemans literally evolve. So he thinks Pokemon are like the next evolution of mankind. Mm -hmm. So he concocts the scheme where you can combine the brain of a human with the body of a Pokemon, which I don't think is an improvement. (laughs) Um, If you're... If you're like, in the body I, of Mewtwo, I extol yes. the virtues. Like, come on, you get to fly if, around. Yes, naked. if you have the if you have the body of Mewtwo, yes. But the way this scheme plays out is that people combine with their little com- cute, adorable companion mm-hmm. Pokemon's. And granted, I extol the virtues of Sancho earlier. I have no dreams of becoming a Sancho. I I like my thumbs and height. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's an improvement. But also, it's 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 a soul transfer kind of thing. So what are they implying that Pokemon have no souls? That like only humans really have souls. I was a little confused by that. Well, t- technically, there's yes. a there's a weird <laughs> metaphysical you know uh, 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 opening here, which I, I don't know if the movie really can handle. Questioning that, hmm. so maybe in the sequel, <laughs> maybe in the sequel, maybe. <laughs> the point is, it's a completely ridiculous scene. Um, there's another one where the whole ground shakes. And oh, that giant, bothered me uh, so much. Yeah, they. Turtle Poke. I know, they were yeah, like we just 80 minutes big... into the movie, like, oh, we haven't had an action scene in a while. Let's just pretend that there's gigantic Torteras tearing up the world. And it's like, oh, okay, glad that's over with. It's like, are you kidding me? There's Godzilla-sized yeah. monsters out there that just went back to sleep, and we're just going to pretend like that didn't happen. <laughs> All for the excuse of that's an action how, beat. Yes, that's how they get ingratiated into the Godzilla <laughs> King of the Monsters oh, universe. Of course. So look out for them <laughs> later in May. In Godzilla vs. Kong coming out in 2020. But, yeah, I mean... The story doesn't quite hold up. I know I know your expectations were high for the very first live-action Pokemon movie. But if you are just in it, if you are just a Pokemon fan and you're in it to see real-life renderings of, I don't know, 60 of your favorite Pokemon, then, I don't know, you're fine with that. Uh, so I say, Pokemon, go to the red box and check it out. Maybe save your theater ticket for something else. Like Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Yeah, Monster, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, I would say, here's the thing, I don't think it would play as well on a tinier screen, so part of me is like, if you have MoviePass or AMC, Stubbs, A-List, you know, use up one of your free tickets for that. But yeah, it's it's not a great movie, but it's it's a nice diversion for two hours, so go check it out. Yeah. It's, well, also, there's only one Santru, it's a picture of it in an Egyptian hieroglyph, oh. that's one star, one out of four stars, thumbs down, terrible. Awful. Well, Get Greg, it, it was originally going to be a Diglett, and then they heard your, they saw your online petition, they saw your moveon.org petition, mm-hmm. and... Yes, my my threatened uh, Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> campaign, where I was going to give it zero stars across the board, and tank it before <laughs> it even came out. You should be proud of all the influence you're showing, though, Greg. Come on. Legendary mm-hmm. Pictures Indeed. knows we got to please the big Greg, Greg demographic. <laughs> Exactly. Because like I said, there's nothing more miserable than being a Greg. And if they can't go to the movies, what else do they have? (laughs) Thankfully, I don't have to go to the movies. (laughs) Ah. Because A24 is bringing the movies to us. Thank goodness. And thank goodness no one spent money on this next movie. (laughs) Because we watched the latest 
A24 release, which got a very, very limited theater run and then went immediately to VOD, we're talking about another mystery. What is under the Silver Lake? I saw you spying on me earlier. No, I wasn't. Okay. See you tomorrow? Good. What the? Who moves out in the middle of the night? Nothing strange about it. She wanted to leave. How does that not make sense? I don't understand why she didn't tell me. Maybe she didn't like you. Maybe she knows you're poor and haven't paid your rent. Yes, this is the follow-up uh, follow <laughs> from It Follows director, mm -hmm. David Robert Mitchell. Highly anticipated. It's kind of a tribute to noir. Premiered at the Cannes Film Festival to kind of mild applause, I guess. Like, oh, that's mm -hmm. different. And then A24 went about, like, what the hell do we do with this movie? <laughs> um... Let's make it an Oscar contender. No, it's not really that. Let's stick it in the summer, maybe? It can be a hit? No. Uh, it's here. One week in theaters to fulfill our contractual obligations, and then, yeah, just out on YouTube or whatever. <laughs> so, yes, Under the Silver Lake is about a hipster named Sam, played by Andrew Garfield, who's mm -hmm. kind of a listless youth. He doesn't really have much going on in his life, but he sees patterns, damn it. He sees, he knows that deep down there's something else going on in this world, and um, he has eyes for his new neighbor who recently just moved in. She's a vivacious young woman who, I don't even know if she gets a name. Is it Sarah? It's Sarah, yeah. Oh, okay, all right. Because <laughs> that's, that's the only way reason I knew is because the impetus for the mystery, this kind of love at first sight situation, she disappears, and he's like, what happened to my friend Sarah? Mm -hmm. That's the only reason I remember anybody's name in this movie, really. <laughs> I mean, she's one of the few characters that actually gets a name, so it's even more embarrassing that I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, so uh, this leads him down a rabbit hole, kind of? Finding clues, solving mysteries, going back to his apartment, not doing anything for a while, finding clues, solving mysteries, going back to his apartment for a while. Yep. It's, a, it's a mess, but maybe intentionally so, and that's why it's really hard to kind of figure out what's going on with this movie <laughs> john john you're being generous okay this movie is terrible it, <laughs> i don't know what the hell he was thinking he could have been as high and listless as his protagonist here but this i don't want to say history repeats itself but it certainly rhymes do you remember the movie southland tales you're not the first person i've known who to make that comparison i think also okay uh, well it's a pretty obvious one because there was another filmmaker named richard kelly mm -hmm. who after donnie darko now donnie darko wasn't like the immediate box office hit that it follows was mm -hmm. instead it found an audience on dvd and that's what gave richard kelly all this cachet to basically make the film he wanted and he made this weird uh, sci-fi uh, <laughs> crime drama mystery <laughs> uh, all centered around Los Angeles. It premiered at Cannes and was an epic boondoggle, and his career has never been the same since. Mm. Um, I think the same thing happened here. A24, or the, uh, whoever ended up footing the bill for this production, said, hey, David Robert Mitchell, great job with it, follows. Here's a boatload of cash. Make the movie you want. And he mm. also made a boondoggle centered around Los Angeles. So... <laughs> 
that premiered at Cannes and then just got shuffled off to theaters and nobody talks about it again. No, okay, fine. Yeah. Um, I, I get the inkling that he's trying to say something thematic. I just don't think he follows through with any of his ideas. And one of the things I am kind of interested in is this whole idea that it's like everything means something. There's secret codes that Sam is so supposed to decipher. And he's kind of, again, this contrast with his listless layabout life. He's a, you know, quote-unquote... A uh, typical hipster just kind of like hangs out in coffee shops, doesn't really have a job. He's always under the threat of eviction, which he doesn't really seem terribly concerned about. <laughs> no, nor does the movie, really. <laughs> yeah. And so he's always playing with that. And then there's also this there's this slight touch of like anxiety about social status as well. You know, Sam at one point expresses how much he hates the homeless, even though he doesn't work and is about to be homeless himself. And part of the reason why he's so obsessed with codes is because he thinks, like, rich and powerful people are are part of something that he's not part of. So it's like, it, it, it has these kind of thematic undertones, but it doesn't really do anything with them. Or at least doesn't carry them to, like, a satisfying conclusion. But again, like, the whole theme of the movie is like, oh, there's connections everywhere, but you, only you see them, but also they might be completely meaningless. So... Maybe the movie is completely meaningless. <laughs> I, I, that's where I kind of fell on the scale. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure this will f- maybe find a cult audience who like the tone of it, who like its listless nature and mm-hmm. the fact that there are so many clues. I guess another apt comparison is a movie we watched recently, Mulholland Drive, mm-hmm. um, which I know also has this like uh, rich uh, enigmatic texture that uh, rewards multiple viewings. And maybe Under the Silver Lake is the same way. However... <laughs> At least in Mulholland Drive, you have a very earnest, granted very cliche, character played by Nemi Watts, at least to start. That's your emotional investment in it. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't see what anybody's supposed to take away from this idiot, Andrew Garfield, <laughs> um, who just kind of floats The character Andrew life. Garfield is playing. Andrew Garfield might be a very smart man for all you know. <laughs> I do <laughs> I don't know. He wasn't smart for taking this movie, I don't think. Oh. <laughs> Because, because smart for taking Spider-Man, I'll tell you that much. Ooh. Yeah, because because despite all his pretensions to like trying to find codes, he's such a dullard. Mm-hmm. Um, he falls in love with this woman Sarah after she like swims in the pool, but he's also like friends with benefits with somebody. So he's so blithe about the relationships and people in his life. Uh, he gets calls from his mom, but like basically ignores her or doesn't like appreciate her help or love. Like we have to have some investment in the mystery, and but unfortunately there isn't any because we don't know how romantically involved he is, or there's nothing he's saving her from, or we don't really know what he wants. The only time we see any passion out of him is when he meets this character called the songwriter who reveals mm-hmm. that he's written every song pretty every pop song pretty much for the last 40 years mm-hmm. and he starts playing some of uh, sam's beloved uh hits from the 90s like nirvana's uh, smells like team spirit mm-hmm. uh i said team spirit that's fine we'll move past <laughs> <laughs> moving on moving on i said tiffany yeah. Haddish was an empire earlier so who cares <laughs> <laughs> yep and that leads to just this grotesque and gruesome murder, which I won't detail here. That's the only time I saw like any passion out of him, other than like sweatily trying to like, ooh, what do these two diamonds mean? Yeah. Or you know, I got to look back in my Zelda games or something. I mean, again, but is like, I feel like there's a lot of commenting towards hipster culture, and that was kind of 
the biggest challenge for him as a character and which is why that scene stuck out most to me and that was the only moment the movie came alive for me is mm. the whole conceit of that scene is that oh all that childhood stuff you loved all that stuff you think that makes you sophisticated and smart it was all there to sell to sell you a product you know you bought it for you know money because that's all that matters is money and that's why they wrote it for money and again like it does it tie back into the whole kind of economic message of the movie which is like the divide between rich and poor people i don't know like and part of me well, also the feels is we like we never see that divide. He still gets into the parties. He still <laughs> like gets to wander around these. Uh, grantedly, this granted, this is an incredibly well produced movie. Mm-hmm. Um, takes advantage of a lot of the wonderful locations, just kind of uh, west northwest of Los Angeles and Silver Lake. Like the that, last that, bookstore makes an appearance. Yes, the last bookstore. There's that great bar. I've never actually been there, but it's like inside a cavern. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a tastefully appointed, like, bomb shelter with a lot of modern fixtures, like mid-century modern. <laughs> but, like, I don't, part of me feels like this movie was just made for David Robert Mitchell to, like, troll people. Because I assume that, like, uh, yeah, yeah. when you make a movie that was kind of as big of a hit as It Follows, I assume that people were reading too much into it or making too much of a comment about it. And maybe he's, this is his way of making fun of those people. I don't know. I'm I'm really trying hard to be on his side a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Because well, you don't, exactly. you don't so waste much... Andrew Garfield. You don't waste all these actors and all this great production value for, like, a lark. So it's got to all mean something, right? Exactly. <laughs> I don't think it's a lark. I think he tried to throw in everything that he loves about filming. Because in another obvious point, uh, Sam's apartment is adorned with all these classic movie posters mm, yes. from the 40s. Like, I believe, um, like, Rebecca is up on the wall <laughs> and a lot of these other, like, oh the classic film noirs from the 40s mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a very obvious sign that like david robert or yeah what's his name david <laughs> robert mitchell <laughs> is kind of pastiching or at least paying homage to maybe the films that influenced him growing up yeah and even the music is straight out of a hitchcock film which is very dissonant given the very contemporary setting and the very contemporary style which it's shot like it's not very it gets hitchcockian at moments i guess when he gets like drugged with the cookie or whatever i i guess but yeah, it's it's it it sucks. It just doesn't come together. <laughs> I really but did again, not have a good. Maybe that's and the it's point. interminably long. Like it that's the other so connection long. you have with South with Southland Tales. I, he must have gotten Final Cut because this is a two hour and twenty minute movie of just Sam going to this uh, very odd party, like learning a clue, going back to his apartment and sweatily like putting the dots together. Goes somewhere else weird. Goes back to his apartment. Goes somewhere else weird, and it it just keeps going and going and going. Same tone over and over again. Nothing escalates. Nothing pays off. And, and I mean, it's it's an infuriating experience. I don't know if I'm communicating that with my tone, but <laughs> well, it's also like every time he leaves his apartment, it feels like it's building to a climax. And then yes, the big scene happens, and then it goes back to his apartment. So it's like it yeah. feels like it ends like three times. <laughs> it feels yeah. like oh, you know, this has to be like the final kind of clu- conclusion, the final kind of clue. And then nope, no, it's not. We're just gonna keep going. We're just gonna keep going. You're poor and haven't paid your rent. You found some kind of code or like secret message in her apartment. It means stay quiet. Our world is filled with codes, subliminal messages from Silver Lake to the Hollywood Hills. Could any of this be connected to Sarah? I know this girl. There's a message in the music. Really think you're going to find a hidden message in a pop song? One, two, three. Can't quite see it, but I'm close. Honey, how are you? Mom, I'm fine. Mostly fine. Um, yeah, not very good. I, I, 
Not very good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, folks. Um, <laughs> avoid this movie like you avoid the neighborhood Silver Lake, because those hills, the parking. <laughs> and a waste of Ricky Lindholm. Ricky Lindholm is the, the actress, like, friends with benefits, and she's completely wasted here. Exactly. Completely, along with Jimmy Simpson. Oh, you can't. I mean, I hate to say it's a waste of Jimmy Simpson's talent because obviously he elevates everything he's in. But yes, he's clearly not in the scene, in the movie enough, and he's clearly just yeah, a waste, a waste. Yeah, Patrick Fischler, Topher Grace, like kind of like that that character uh, I appreciated as a yeah, part of the drone. Yeah. yeah, Topher Grace actually is kind of perfect for that role. <laughs> <laughs> he could have been playing is he the one that gets killed, or is it the comic book? Uh, the comic author. book guy. The comic book guy. Oh, okay. Because remember, he's in yeah, the... It's, yeah. It's, yeah. He's the one who's concerned about the owl. He's, like, getting too close, and that's why the owl kills him. Got it. That's yeah. that's a mark. Of, <laughs> that movie isn't very good if you can't figure out who was killed and what it means. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it doesn't mean anything, Greg. Maybe it's all in your head. And awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I want out of my movie-going experiences. <laughs> I'm the idiot. <laughs> that's what I want out of a, a mystery story. No consequences. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Forget it, Greg. It's Silver Lake. Yeah. Good. I am forgetting it. It's done. Over. Raz right. that part of town. Wow. Put up affordable housing. Ouch. Well, Greg, sadly, we didn't get to see all the same movies that we saw this past week together. We saw some movies no. separately. Uh, usually, we reserve uh, our spotlight section mm-hmm. for uh, a, a point of divergence where uh, we see something else that uh, was released recently. Yes. So uh, this week I caught up on, because I'm a lover of true crime, I decided to watch Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, which is, <gasps> John, I know, I've just so fallen many on my fainting couch. <laughs> <laughs> so many things, so many things. Yeah. Um, it is supposedly kind of the story of uh, Ted Bundy. Um, but it's really more supposedly kind of, kind of the story of Ted Bundy, or is it? <laughs> uh, it's kind of more focused on his uh, girlfriend at the time, Liz Kendall, played by Lily Collins. And okay. I say supposedly because obviously the movie is much more fixated on Ted Bundy. I mean, because who wouldn't be? Um, it's so and, charming, <laughs> <laughs> so handsome. Um, yeah. So it's supposedly supposed to be about her and her relationship and kind of her guilt complex about dating this guy seeing the signs and then also a big kind of third act reveal about you know the nature of their relationship and things like that so it's supposed to be about her but as a character and as real life you know happened she was mostly staying at home watching the trial on tv drinking herself to sleep and that's pretty much Mm. all she does for two-thirds of the movie (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a compelling chambered piece, John. (laughs) So she's supposed to be kind of our main character, and she's supposed to be our point of view, like, and we're supposed to be so compelled of, like, how does someone live knowing that they were involved in all this? And really, that's Mm -hmm. not the most interesting part of the story. Where the story gets interesting is when Ted Bundy is arrested in Florida. Uh, Do do people know who Ted Bundy is? Do I have to explain who Ted Bundy is? (laughs) Uh, Well, let's let's go over some of his life highlights. Um, Mm -hmm. Very competent lawyer. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Arguably not really, because he defended he was his own counsel during his trial, and clearly he lost. So maybe he's not that Uh, competent. Okay. I, I don't know. I think the stay through the book, Adam. Um, very handsome, very charming. Uh, you know, had an affinity for young women. I mean, is that a crime? <laughs> 
the movie i do want to give the movie some credit it does for about the first third does play really well with this idea that he might be innocent because again he is just so charming (laughs) and again we're from the perspective of liz so it's like oh yes it was just a simple misunderstanding that woman who was sexually assaulted she just thinks it looks like him like clearly and then Mm -hmm. obviously as soon as he escapes prison and ends up in florida two co-eds were found dead yesterday (laughs) so okay so it's a it's about you know the the first when the first act ends it's like all right we drop all pretenses you know what this guy did okay oh so that so it doesn't play throughout the whole movie like no. I'm dating a serial killer <laughs> no, instead no, yeah. no 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 again the the story's more focused on uh, Ted Bundy's kind of defense of himself like the where the movie gets really interesting is when he's eventually caught uh, he gets a public defender but obviously he's his own lawyer and he's a law student mm-hmm. so he tries to defend himself and he's very good at kind of getting the media narrative on his side and very good at turning the uh, whole thing it, took, it takes place in Florida so what do you expect he turns the whole courtroom into like a spectacle and he turns into a circus and a kangaroo court and that stuff is pretty compelling and I kind of wish the movie made up more of that and we didn't have to keep cutting back to Liz drinking so <laughs> and dating Haley Joel Osment she eventually starts a relationship with Haley Joel Osment <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. yeah. What a what a step up from Zach Efron <laughs> to Haley Joel Osman. He's sweet though. He's earnest. He's good to her. I guess. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's it's okay. Um again like Wait, so what... you're saying you didn't get the the true crime juices flowing though? I mean, cuz it's not necessarily a mystery, is it? No, and to the movie's credit, we don't actually see any of the murders. We see the aftermaths, but it's not like it actually tries to reenact anything, uh, okay. except towards the very end. Like, there's a there's one scene in particular, but again, it's like a very brief flashback. But um, there's nothing particularly grisly about the movie. It's all, you know, them talking about it. So I do want to okay. give the movie credit for that. It's not like, you know, giving you, like, the lustful eye, even though, yeah. I mean, some critics have argued that it's, it is trying too hard to make Ted Bundy likable, but again, that's what makes the case so compelling. Yeah, like is the, the fact, fact that, that he, Ted Bundy is likable. <laughs> yeah, he's handsome. He's got the gift for gab, and he was yeah. able to turn this whole thing around for himself, even though he obviously clearly did it. <laughs> yes, he married a woman while he was in prison for being a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so um, I do want to give the movie credit for that, but again, it's too kind of unfocused. It's a little too unpolished. So yeah, mm. I give it a six, six out of ten. Okay. That's uh, harsh, I'd say, John. Nope. Usually you're forgiving of these things, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, six what, out of ten. if you, you saw it, you'd probably give it a... garbage bin. You'd probably give it a four. You're like, mmm, garbage, mmm. I, I will not... You know me. I don't like to judge from afar. <laughs> <laughs> or form opinions, or form opinions until I have a full picture of everything. That's so. not why we do this podcast. <laughs> yep. Well, John, I'm glad you stayed in to watch a, a Netflix original, because I did as well. No. Oh. I watched something just as gripping and compelling. I'm talking wine country. <laughs> Damn. Yep. Starring all your fa- SNL favorites from the 90s. We're talking Amy Poehler, mm-hmm. Maya Rudolph, mm-hmm. Anna Gasteyer, Paula Pell. She wasn't on SNL or whatever, but she's a, she's a titan of comedy these days. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and two other actresses, or Rachel Dratch, and another actress who works for Scale. Um, <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> How dare you, Greg? Come on. I know. I know. I, I apologize. I'll get her name right now. Everyone's starting to love Paula Pale. Oh, yeah. She's, she is working. Let me tell she you. She is blowing up. Yeah. Are you talking about Jenny? Um, she's the only one without a picture on IMDb. <laughs> 
yes. <laughs> and uh, Emily Emily Speedy. <laughs> She's. I'm looking at the IMDb cast list. She's the only one without a profile picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, she's good. She's actually the best characterized of them because the the movie starts with a phone conversation and you get all the little character things, uh, or you get all the little traits of each character on this little ex- on this lady's vacation out to Napa Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's the shut in. She's the one who's hemming and hawing about going, and she she and obviously ends up going. Um, but we also see Amy Poehler. John, would it surprise you to know that she's the hyper smart, hyper workaholic one? Um, no way. I know that's a surprise following <laughs> Parks and Rec, yeah. <laughs> Let me guess. Uh, Maya Rudolph is playing the loud one. <laughs> <laughs> She's not the loud one, John, but she has a pretty big secret. So oh. this is this is setting up pretty, like, obvious kind of reunion territory where yeah, um, it's where they're even though they're friends on the outside, inside they might be personally struggling, struggling, and some of the gears might, uh, the gears of friendship might grind a little bit later in the vacation. Oh, dear. Yes. Um, and that said, it starts out like very droll. Um, one thing is even though they're, they are professional women, it's clear that they're also all like improv comics and build off each other and have little bits <laughs> that they say to themselves. Like, mm. That just shows like, their true signs of friendship, Greg. Yeah. Not like realistic people. So like the, the movie starts out a little flat uh, and I appreciated it more when it was kind of being an out-and-out comedy with a little bit larger-than-life characters, one of which is Tina Fey as the proprietor of this Airbnb, this beautiful ranch on top of a hill in um, Napa Valley. And she's the one, like, she's very um, kind of um, acerbic about everything. Her husband died, and she inherited the house. And so, and she she sees all the women for, like, what they are and, and knows that, you know, later you'll be screaming revelations, like alcohol and drama, <laughs> you know, just oh, okay. <laughs> add up to success. So... <laughs> So she's very good, and I want to commend this this great scene with a tarot card reader. Um, the tarot card reader is played by Cherry Jones, and I think that's the best one when she, because it's it, it's great exposition when she like reveals a card and and can uh, expound on so much about each character, and and obviously they they kind of butt up against that notion, like no, that that can't be it. <laughs> but I mean, uh, shouldn't characters be driven by action, not like people telling them what they are? Well, th- yeah, that's uh, maybe if if you're uh, a Robert McKee style <laughs> critic of a movie as I am, <laughs> okay, <laughs> and you are desperate for story. I I think that's one thing where maybe the movie falls flat because this is pretty pretty slight stuff. I mean, there's only one character where it's a, a or a matter of life and death. Um, there's one character with a, a diagnosis, and they don't want to hear it from the doctor. So that's that ultimately where the kind of climax winds up. But for the rest of the characters, it's just like little things with their life, like uh, conflicts with their spouses or a bold career choice that they have to make or, you know, making time for their friends and family. So it's not, it's not exactly like revelatory stuff. That said, it is still like, I think, solid comedy when you put these women together and put them in a situation like, say, where they encounter a massive celebrity like Brene Brown and, you know, they announce. Like, I'm sorry, okay, massive no, celebrity? <laughs> Who is yes, Brene I didn't know who Brene Brown was. I'm, th- I'm thankful to have watched it with my girlfriend. And okay. now, now we've experienced her TED Talk, and I think she's a, she's a marvel. She's 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 revelatory. Okay, <laughs> good to know. Yeah, 
I don't know. This is seeming very inside baseball right now. <laughs> I, well, that, that's the other thing I kind of appreciate. It's a movie by women for women, oh. um, which I don't see a lot of. So <laughs> I guess that's true. It is nice to change it up every once in a while. Yeah. No, so if we could commend it for being, a, a, I don't know if intersectional is the word, but at least uh, a, being a different portrait for what we normally see in movie, a movie about middle-aged women um, when most of Hollywood is casting them as a uh, 35-year-old blondes who will work for scale but but the fact but the, the fact that they could I don't know have an excuse to vacation and still kind of craft a funny movie around that works okay yeah so you want to give them credit that they didn't just phone it in like Adam Sandler <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> they didn't exactly phone it in that said it's not like the the story has a whole lot of consequence one storyline revolves around uh, a woman and her piece of crap husband uh, who just games all day. Mm-hmm. And they obviously can't be honest with her and say, your husband's a piece of crap, but that's where they wind up. But you never see anything after that. Um, okay. <laughs> they just acknowledge that he's a piece of crap. Like, whether that leads to divorce, we don't know. Uh, it seems like also the movie was really cut down. No. Well, yeah. you know, they need to have more screenings for Netflix, obviously. I, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe maybe their intention was like a... a 10 episode series that they stretched over the course of one weekend in Napa Valley. I don't know, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I, again, a fundamentally sweet movie made me laugh in a lot of places. Obviously Maya Rudolph and everything will just uh, warm your heart. So of course, I don't know if, if you got an hour and 44 minutes or something like that to kill, just go for it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, from your description, I don't know if I would like it that much because it seems a little too clever by half. Unfortunately, it seems like it was, it, you were commenting on the fact that it's like, oh, they already foreshadow everything that's going to happen, and I, that kind of bothers me when they're when they're like, oh, we all know where this is going, so it's funny if we actually mention that, and it's like, no, you're just not trying hard enough. Foreshadow I, I better. I, I wouldn't say that. Okay. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say that it's like too clever by half because there's only like a few tacit acknowledgments of like this is exactly what the tarot card reader said. <laughs> yeah. So. I, I wouldn't say it's that obvious in terms of setup and payoff. There are things in the movie that kind of distract from that because they're these all these women have you know clearly defined characteristics, but then there's also one male in the story. It's played by Jason Schwartzman, who's a clown. Uh, <laughs> he's a clown for all intents and purposes. Um, I mean, he, isn't he, he always at a house to cook a paella that literally takes all week in December? So <laughs> okay. <laughs> And you said clown, like physical clown with the with the makeup and everything. Well, he's the goof. He's a goofy character in what is a oh, okay. pretty down to earth movie. So, all right, yeah, fair not enough. The, I'm hoping not the kind of character you encounter in real life. Okay, much in the same way I hope to never encounter. I don't know. Jason I love paella. I'm just gonna say that right now. I love paella. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it's a fun lark. Again, the far, uh, there are far worse distractions on the road to the grave. So, <laughs> A ringing endorsement from Craig. Yes. <laughs> but how does it compare to Detective Pikachu? Well, they're both interaction between humans and nature. Mm. So if we look at, if we really give a Straussian reading of each text. I mean, they're also ultimately about a woman's place in the world. Can she have it all? <laughs> Who is she? Well, the reporter lady, obviously. That character oh, was... Oh, right. That was the main character, yeah. right? Her and her Psyduck? Come on. Absolutely, yeah. Psyduck did steal the show in, po- in Pokemon Detective Pikachu. <laughs> oh, don't even get... Uh, no, okay. They keep describing him as a bomb. There's literally bomb Pokemon out there. Make it a Voltorb. <laughs> Make it like a friggin' Pinecone or something like that, you know? Pineco, sorry. Pineco. Those we'll Pokemon <laughs> literally explode, okay? I get it. You remember Psyduck from the anime. You gotta buy on nostalgia. But still, 
You can be more clever with it. That's all I'm saying. But but Pokemon, but Pikachu can't give a Voltorb a foot rub because Voltorb <laughs> doesn't have any feet. So <laughs> this is true. We would have lost out on millions of potential comedy gold. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, well, Greg. Yeah. People are missing out on millions in comedy gold when they don't follow us on social media. Yes, we got a Twitter page. Mm-hmm. Where we treat, where we retweet some of the most hilarious memes on there. <laughs> Let me tell you. If you're not tired of Pikachu face, surprised Pikachu, then let me tell you, <laughs> you are in for a treat when you follow. Oh, John, Science John, that's Twitter. old. That's old news. Oh that's, no, that's a meme from 2007. You need the surprise uh, face from the new starter Pokemon in Pokemon Sword and Shield, which played for an ad before our screening of Pokemon Detective Pikachu. So no, we well, all we stuck, all we got was a dog's journey, and uh, the sun is also a star. That's the trailers we got. <laughs> okay, dang, you, you're trailer deprived. <laughs> well, what theater was this? I would complain. I wanted. To oh no, no, no! no. There was minutes. an AMC. There was way more than that, but those were the only ones I hadn't seen already on YouTube yet. So oh, okay, got it. All right. But anyway, yeah, what were we saying? Social media. Hey, follow us, okay? Please. <laughs> yes, and if you want to reach out to us directly with comments, questions, and recommendations, you can always email us at aspiringsnobs at gmail.com. Yes, and of course, we've given you some, I think, solid consumer advice here mm-hmm. on how to best spend your time, say, at the theater or Netflix. Um, so can you do us a favor? Go to your local podcast concern, mm-hmm. whether that be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Player FM, we're on every one pretty much. All you got to mm-hmm. do is click one button and it sends your podcast feed out to the world. So it's relatively easy for us and relatively easy for you to hit that review button, give us five stars and say, hey, these guys are really funny and insightful and give good consumer advice. Um, mm-hmm. they, they light up my world. <laughs> give us a positive missive and we'll send good vibes towards you. Yes. You'll be a receivership about good vibes. of the Aspiring Snobs Thoughts and Prayers. All right. That's our guarantee. Yes. We're all about good vibes. Mm-hmm. And I guess we should, since they've been such good listeners, we should tease them with what's coming up next week. Yes, let's put a pass of Reiki over the movie that we're (laughs) going to be watching next week and bless it with our positive energy. Mm -hmm. Because we're going to be watching the searing drama, A Palm Door Winner. I'm, of course, talking about 1984's Paris, Texas. Ooh. I only know this movie by reputation, kind of, so I hope to be Mm -hmm. pleasantly surprised. Or yes. extremely disappointed. We'll, you know, we'll, <laughs> well, unfortunately, know. It's, its writer and star have passed away recently. Mm. I'm talking about Harry Dean Stanton and Sh- Sam Shepard. So. He wrote it? Yep. Oh, okay. Uh, Sam Shepard is a, a, a prolific writer, both for stage and screen. Oh, well, I thought you, said, I thought you meant Harry Dean Stanton wrote it. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Okay. Sorry, did I not do the respectively properly or... Um, I, no. It doesn't matter. It's it doesn't late. matter. We're fine. Yes, it's late. Uh, speaking of which, I do want to note that we alluded to Pokemon, the first movie, which you and I saw in theaters as youngsters. Mm-hmm. And since we are recording this on the, the week following Mother's Day, I wanted to give a special shout out to my mother. Oh. Our, what am I saying? To our mother, <laughs> who sat through just interminably long, terrible children's movies just for us to foster the young, brilliant um, Excuse movie, me, Greg. movie lovers that we are today. Yes. Not to take any credit away from our mother, God bless her. Yeah. I think we had better taste than that when we were children. And even Oh, re- when, oh really? Yeah. Really? I'm, John, I've, I've got a list for you of movies that she took us to okay. and sat through patiently like okay. a saint. 
fine. Not just Pokemon the first movie, which is dreadful, terrible, forget it. I, there's also Rocket Man, starring Harlan Williams. You remember that comedy titan, Harlan How Williams? Greg, look, he's still working today. He's doing the stand-up circuit. Is he? You can see him at Helium up north. You can see him at the Chuckle Hut in Gary, Indiana. You can see him touring all the great wide world, okay? How dare you? How yes. dare you? Besmirch the yes. good name of Harlan Williams. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm talking D3, the Mighty Ducks. Well, I mean, which, yeah. <laughs> despite putting Emilio Estevez over the title in the in the starring role, was in it for all of about four minutes. Look, okay, you can't blame us for knowing that D three would be a massive turd. All right, our, I know. And exactly, I, that's why I'm paying tribute to our wonderful mother for doing that. <laughs> I'm trying to now think of like what was the first movie I remember leaving being disappointed in. I think it was like that live action Jungle Book movie. Remember that. Live action Jungle Book movie. They the, made not a, the one from 2016. No, they, they, made, they a, made one in 1994. Yeah, and it was serious and it was more adult, but you know they were still like, oh, you can still bring your family to it, blah blah blah. And I remember watching that and being like, what was that? That sucked. <laughs> and again, it's already forgotten, so who knows? Okay, great. Yeah. Well, again, I wanted to pay tribute to our mother, but you you hijacked it with. <laughs> it's tangent it central. Prusian Welcome Reverie to the planet of, of terrible movies you saw as a kid. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Well, you're already pat. You're already late on Mother's Day, so and also I was the first one to call, so it this doesn't make up for it, Greg. Okay. All right. What what did you send her, by the way? I didn't send her anything. What did you send her? <laughs> uh, Technically nothing, because I know your girlfriend <laughs> sent it. Mm. <laughs> nice try. Damn, nailed me. Oh. <laughs> yep. Yeah. To be to be fair to our mother, though, she did take us to many a wonderful film, such as Galaxy Quest. We all love that. We yeah, exactly. Came out, it came out of that movie beaming. Mm-hmm. And, of course, her favorite, Wild Wild West. <laughs> Don't forget Toy Story. She also took us to Toy Story. Oh, that's right, too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. But still, we love you, Mom. Yep. And we love Wild Wild West. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, keep aspiring, partner. <laughs> Wild Wild West. You will wicked 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 Gunning this, brother running this, buffalo soldier. Look, it's like I told you, any damsel that's in distress, be out of that dress when she meet Jim West. Rough neck, so go check the lawn and vibe. Watch your step with flex and get a hole in your side. Swallow your pride, don't let your lip react. You don't want to see my hand where my hip be at. With Artemis from the start of this, running the game, James West.